Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Rebecca and this week we'll be talking to James from All Access Travel, an NDIS provider that specialises in travel for people with a disability. Thanks so much for coming in today, James. Hey, Rebecca. How are you going? Hey, good, thanks. Um, so just to start off, so you run a travel agency that specialises in holidays for people with a disability. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it started and what you do? Mm. It's actually all access holidays, not all access travel, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> my mistake. Like my business partner's going to go, no. Um, okay, so how did it start? Oh, wow. It probably started, I mean, I can give you a whole origin story, but that would take quite a while. Um, uh, briefly, it. I suppose it started this, uh, about four years ago. It was a brainwave that I had, sort of, and then my wife encouraged me to do it. Um, I'd worked in disabilities. I probably worked in disabilities for about 15 years in total, uh, in like mental health, uh, disability employment, and stuff like that. But when I first came to Australia, I, I won't. This won't take too long. Yeah, um, no, that's so good. <laughs> I went. Um, I worked for a company that took people with disabilities on holiday. Okay. Um, and it was a really good way to see Australia, and it was you know really empowering for the clients. And when the NDIS was sort of kicking in and stuff like that it was um an idea that i sort of wanted to go back to um so yeah i came up with the idea of all access holidays and then uh, my business partner oliver came on he's uh, oliver's uh, the gentleman who contacted you and um i think it was about three th- maybe three years ago we released our first brochure and we weren't registered with the NDIS at the time, and we've subsequently gone through that process. And so I think the first year we we advertised, it was about eight holidays, and I did a, we did a couple of to Sydney and a, a couple around Victoria, mm-hmm. and then it's just sort of grown and grown and grown. I guess the idea for doing it was, you know, one the ND, NDIS was coming in, so we wanted to, um, you know, work with that, but also just create. You know, fun group holidays for people that perhaps wouldn't normally ordinarily have the chance to sort of go on them without, you know, support. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been good fun so far. Hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of a roller coaster. But yeah. I guess it would be really rewarding as well. Yeah, look, it is. Um, for the most part. I mean, it, you know, people will often say, oh, you're so lucky you get to go on holiday all the time. But, um, you know, a lot of the time when you're on holiday, you are working pretty hard. You yeah. know, it's the idea of, you know, me going to the Gold Coast, say, with five clients and another worker is not so that I have the holiday. It's so, yeah. that, <laughs> it's so that they have the holiday. Yeah. And it is rewarding. Um, you know, we took, I think it was 
I think it was last year we took a gentleman with us to, oh, what was it? It was a music festival somewhere. I'm just drawing a blank. And he had, he had been on holiday before with another provider and he hadn't got on too well. He had a you know a couple of behaviours which sort of needed attention, and I'm not sure if you know he he really got that sort of individualised care. Yeah. And we took him, and he had a great time. You know there were you know a, a few challenges, but they were sort of worked through with him. And just recently, I received a call from his coordinator, who said that he'd come into our office and asked to come back on holiday again. And oh, apparently, wow. he's never done that. So that was probably one of the most rewarding things I had. Yeah. Because it was just so sort of like, you know, this you know, this gentleman really struggles. He's got a lot of anxiety. Um and, you know, the fact that he wanted to come back with us sort of made me think, you know, we'd done something right. So I'd worked really hard with him, you know, and we'd sort of put the strategies in place and I was like, Oh I didn't I didn't quite well up, but I was pretty close to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads into our, lex- our next question, which is what barriers do you think prevent people with a disability from having the same travel experiences as someone who doesn't suffer dis- a disability? Well, I mean, it sort of runs the whole gamut, really. I mean, as you know, like disability, there's a huge spectrum of disability. I mean, it's not just one one particular thing. Um so it can be, say, for example, someone who's in an electric wheelchair can sometimes find it challenging to get on flights. Um, sometimes airlines aren't always that accommodating, although I'm happy to say that that has been changing quite a lot recently. Um, I mean, there was, a, there was a situation about 10, I think it was about 10 years ago, where, um, you know, guys, guys know Dylan Alcott, the tennis player? Yes. The wheelchair tennis player. I mean, they didn't provide him with a wheelchair to get onto the plane. Yeah, I heard about and that. And he actually crawled. He said, no, I'm getting on this plane. He crawled on. I mean, you know, something like that is just abhorrent. Um, that I mean, that's sort of one end. To the other end, it's, you know, we get people perhaps with anxiety. Um, they don't like crowded places. They just want someone there for reassurance. Yes. If they don't have that carer, then... That can be that can be a real struggle for them to go um, on holiday, and then you get you know clients with say for example you know cognitive or intellectual disabilities um, that they require the whole sort of you know the whole spectrum of care. So it might be personal care, showering, meal assistance, things like that. Um, and their only option is really to go with a group or to go one on one. Look, generally we find that most of the places we go are fairly welcoming, you know. Um, one thing that we have found in the past is that sometimes hotels or accommodation advertise themselves as being wheelchair accessible. And then when you get there, you'll find like three steps yeah. going up to the room or you'll find a shower with a step up or a step down. And I think sometimes that's just about educating, um, edu- like educating people throughout the the tourism industry. And I mean that's that's one of the things that you know we do this because you know we want to provide great holidays for people with disabilities and to give people that chance to go on holiday. Um, but we are also a business, and one of the things that we say to people in tourism is, look, if you make 
you know, if you make your places accessible, if you make your hotels or your accommodations or your camps welcoming to people with disabilities, not only are you being inclusive, but you're making a fantastic business decision. There is a yeah. whole untapped market out there that people just have no idea about. So even if these people aren't going to do it for, you know, perhaps moral reasons, um, you could say, well, you know, business reasons are pretty good as well. Um so I've probably gone off a bit of a tangent. Yeah, there. no, no, that's a really good point because I know there was a few years ago there was this kid who actually invented an, an app like dedicated to showing like photos in places that are actually accessible to people who are in a wheelchair or yep. who have a disability. Mm-hmm. And it's like wonderful because like the worst thing is definitely as someone who has a parent who is disabled, the worst thing is like getting to a place and like it's got stairs and you need... For sure. Yeah. Well, I think as well, it's not only that, but it is often the very real anxiety that people, but a person in a wheelchair feels going to, you know, going to accommodation. You know, when we go to, you know, if I go to a hotel, I don't really think about it. You know, if it's just me and my wife or, you know, my kids, whatever, I just take it for granted that I can walk in. But, you know, for a lot of clients, it's like, well, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, access the bathroom? Am I going to be able to access the hotel and stuff like that? So it's a very real problem. And Australia is pretty decent for the most part in accommodating, uh, you know, in in terms of accessibility. Um, But I, I still think there's quite some way to go and so how important do you think holidays are when it comes to well-being well how important are they to you yeah (laughs) you know we definitely all need a break oh i know i need one no i mean (laughs) it's like i go on holiday all the time but no i'm working no look i mean it, it you know i heard this um i saw this meme once and it said um you know how to treat someone with a disability, a person with a disability. And then it just said underneath, just like a normal person. Yeah. And it's exactly the same, you know. It, 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 you know, a, a holiday refreshes you, it rejuvenates you, you feel better. You might get to see somewhere which you haven't seen before. You might get to meet people that you haven't met before. You just feel better, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite a human right, but I don't think it's far off one. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, in terms of mental well-being you know um i think it's you know it's indispensable you know people want to get out of their environments they want to you know see see parts of australia or the world that they haven't seen and that includes everybody it doesn't stop you know an able-bodied person or a person who doesn't have a mental illness if anything it should apply even more to to a person with a disability you know, they're in need of a break just as much as, you know, the next person, if not more. So, yeah. Yeah. So I recommend going on holiday. Yeah. (laughs) Preferably with us, but no. (laughs) So uh, can people use their NDIS funding on holidays and vacations? Yeah, so there is a... um, They can. So people who are familiar with their NDIS plans we'll know that they've got core supports in there so some of the things that the ndis won't pay for so the flights they'll never pay for flights they won't pay for accommodation um, and they also won't pay for any entrances to venues or entertainment Um, what they will pay for is a carer to come with you so if for example you're unable to go on holiday without a carer there 
then the NDIS will pay for the hours of that person when they accompany you. Um, so, um, what I mean, we generally do group holidays. Uh, you know, so it's groups groups of people that would be unable to go without a carer, without a number of carers there. So those carers are paid for um, via the NDIS. So if, for example, a holiday was to cost $2,000, you know, for example, um, it would be split into two parts. So there would be the part that would be charged to the NDIA for the care, okay. maybe $1,000, and then the other $1,000 would be paid for by the client. So the idea is that the person is not in any way um, you know, prevented from going on holiday for want of a carer. So the carer will be paid for. The only thing is, is that, you know, there are a few things and we were sort of discussing earlier, you know, with the NDIA, stuff that they won't cover, the accommodation can be an issue and transport as well because someone can have a lot of money in their core funds, but then they're not able to access those funds in order to, I don't know, for example, get to the Gold Coast. I mean, it's great yeah. having 100 grand in your core funds for carers, but if you, you know, can't afford, you know, to get the bus to the airport, well, what use is it? Yeah. Um, and the same with accommodation as well. So these are sort of things that hopefully, you know, as the NDIS sort of uh, irons out its sort of multiple difficulties, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that can be something which can be addressed as well. Because that way is, you know, for us in particular, I mean, that's sort of full and equitable access. Yeah. You know, someone hasn't got a job and they might not have the money for accommodation or flights, you know. So, um, and go, going back to your previous question, I mean, that's all about the, you know, the, the mental well-being and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, definitely. yes, you can use your NDIS funds if, if that was lost through my rambling. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, I definitely feel like, it, like going on a holiday and having – like carers there that would be amazing but the actual financial burden of having to afford like the flights and everything that yeah well i mean you know you know australia is quite expensive as well it's not it's not a, an especially cheap country to get around yeah and i think people i mean even you know for me when i go on holiday with my family i think god you know this you know costs a fair bit to get here um and i work full time if you know someone you know, a lot of our clients work in supported employment or they might be on a, a disability support pension. You know, a couple of hundred bucks to get up to, um, you know, Darwin or whatever it is, you know, is uh, is a big financial ask. Yeah. Um, and it should be something that's taken into consideration. And so have you had any experiences where you've been unable to help a, like a customer and you've had to turn them away? Look, I mean, it does happen. Um Generally, it will be because that person will need invasive medical treatment. Um, so when I say invasive, things like perhaps injections, um, they may have, you know, medical compli medical conditions which will make it, I don't want to say problematic, but it could be, you know, taking them on holiday away from where they normally are situated, away from the hospital, which perhaps they normally go to, or yeah. the healthcare practitioners, which are normally around, um, could cause, um, you know, some issues. And although we do have some qualified nurses that work with us, um, sometimes even, you know, their skills wouldn't extend to looking after that person. Um, the only other time, really, where we've had to, where we've had to, to not, 
to take a person is because that person had sort of major behaviors of concern and they it was like 24 hour two to one care and that was with carers that knew that person so if you put them with new carers you took them to a new situation new environment and there was violence involved and it wasn't you know i mean you know i've taken a couple of punches from people before it doesn't sort of bother me but when it extends to other clients in the group yeah then you just can't you can't risk it unfortunately so yeah but it doesn't happen too often so um and so I know we've talked a little about the accessibility issue, but what do you also think um, are some challenges people with a disability face when going on holiday? Well, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about before, the accessibility. Um, you know, someone with anxiety can really struggle on a plane, yeah. you know, and it's having the right supports there and the person, you know, there to reassure them. Um, a big one can be like continence issues. You know, um, for example, you know, you put someone on a plane to Perth for four hours, you know, they need quick and easy access to a bathroom. That can be an issue as well. That can be yeah. a real challenge. Um, and, you you know, you've just got to try and I mean, and it's not certainly not insurmountable. It's just something yeah. that, you know, you've got to be aware of and you've got to, you know, perhaps it's just easy things like having a seat near to the bathroom, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And those can be things that, you know, you don't sort of think about. Um Look, you know, we've had uh, occasionally you do get some people that, um, especially with, uh, you know, an ABI, um, they may not have the same inhibitions that, you know, someone without an ABI may have. So they can, you know, be inappropriate interactions with, you know, members of the public who they might not know or, you know, female staff particularly. Mm. Um, So, you know, we do a fairly thorough um, assessment before someone comes on a holiday you know yeah. so we will ask for a behavior support plan any behavior strategies that we need to put in place to you know prevent things from happening and sometimes as well it's just you know especially with behaviors of concern or with triggers yeah. it's just avoiding those type of situations in the first place so if someone doesn't like crowded areas you know it's like don't take them into a crowded area yeah. And, you know, if, if they don't have a carer or if they don't have a person with them that is able to help them out like that, then a lot of the time these people just wouldn't be able to get on holiday. You know, it just, just wouldn't be possible. So Yeah. And so are destinations and tourist spots becoming more accessible for people with a disability or, like, what improvements would you like to see? Well, I think it's... De- definitely one big improvement that I'd love to see is uh, hotels, motels, um, accommodation on Airbnb, for example, that if they are genuinely wheelchair accessible, that they only advertise that. Not that because someone might go, oh, yeah, someone with a disability would be able to get in here, but they've yeah. never really you know, met anyone with a disability, so they don't know. So yeah. it's about... Um, I suppose accurate advertising, you know, knowing that. Um, a few other things. I'm just trying to think, really. Um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, how can tourist 
spots and holiday destinations. And I guess also what could be kind of included in there is how can like society help make holiday spaces more like inclusive as well for people with disabilities? <laughs> I can't say on the whole that people are generally pretty good, like the general public. Um, you know, things like giving up seats on trains and, you know, they'll help out and about. We've never come across any sort of large, like any type of prejudice, I suppose, when we've been out in the group. People are normally pretty good. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we go on a train, for example, then sometimes lots of people would just suddenly disappear. <laughs> we always get a seat. Um, but no, I mean, look... I, you know, for the most part, I feel like people in Australia are pretty pretty tolerant on the whole, you know. I mean, you might get one or two, but they're probably the type of people that have a problem with anything, you know. I mean, yeah. You know, if you've got a problem with someone with a disability, then, you know, what does that say about you? So, um, but look, I mean, I suppose attitudes can always, people with, you know, you can, we can always be more inclusive, we can always be more tolerant. And, you know, people with disabilities make up a, I don't know, was it like, is it one in five or whatever it is? And for Australia, one in four. Um, you know, so it works to be inclusive. And like I say, I mean, in terms of tourism, you know, it is a, it's a huge untapped market. Yeah, and, and not just in tourism and anything, really. Yeah. You know, some, you know, people with disabilities have money too, you know, and they want to spend it. So, yeah. you know, the more welcoming you are, the more, the more the you'll more get. The more come, you know. Yeah, and I guess what kind of everyone, especially listening, has been waiting for, what are some of like the popular tourist destinations you have for customers or where can people actually go? Well, could could, could you hazard a guess? Uh, I, I think you said Darwin was one of them. No, so Darwin was a place where we went. I wouldn't necessarily say it was especially popular. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Well, where would you like to go in Australia? If you were like tomorrow, I said, okay, we're going to go away. Where would you want to go? Uh, I'd probably go back home to far north Queensland. <laughs> ah, okay. And, oh, yeah, like the Gold Coast and yes, all that. You yeah, said it, the Gold Coast. Look, it depends. Anyone south of uh, the Victorian border, it tends to be the Gold Coast. Yeah, <laughs> the beaches. <laughs> I think we could pretty much advertise the Gold Coast every week and they'd be full. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's funny because we actually have quite a few clients from Toowoomba and um, Warwick up in Queensland. I know that's yeah. not far north Queensland. Uh, they tend to come south. They like Melbourne. Um, so it really just depends on where the clients are from. Yeah. Um, ta- people from Tasmania like to go to the Gold Coast, you know, because it's freezing down there. Yeah. Um, and then there's some real squirrely ones, which are sort of a bit out of left field as to why they're popular. Um, so Warnable, uh, the whale watching in Warnable, we don't guarantee that you see the whales. Um, <laughs> in winter. No refunds. No, no refunds. That's in our terms and conditions. Um, that's, always, that's always popular. Um, Phillip Island is always really popular. Um, Mildura Music Festival. We get heaps of people that want to come on that. Uh, one thing that you'll find is sometimes that, particularly in Victoria, if there is some anxiety from, say, staff or parents or coordinators about how far a client can go, they'll normally say, keep it interstate. So just go a couple of hours yeah. from the house. That's why Phillip Island's really, really popular because it's not so far out of Melbourne. 
the majority of our clients are either from Melbourne or regional, sort of Victoria, and then for whatever reason, Toowoomba. <laughs> yeah, so people all around, all around Australia and yeah. also people who suffer from mental illness can access. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So basically, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, you don't even have to be a part of, you don't even have to be in receipt of an NDIS plan. But okay, yeah, absolutely. Cool. If, um, you know, someone with a, you know, a mental illness wants to come on a holiday with us as long as, you know, um, you know, if they've got an NDIS plan or if they want to pay privately, they're more than welcome to come. The only thing that I would say is that with someone with a mental illness, that the, you know, the majority of our clients do tend to have intellectual cognitive disabilities. Yeah. So what we say with someone with an, um, a mental illness is that sometimes it might be more um, suitable for a one-to-one, just a one-to-one carer, or if perhaps they wanted to go with a friend or something like that because... You know, all disabilities are different and they may not find in terms of, you know, socialising with some of the other clients, they might find it, um, you know, that they don't have a great deal in common. You know, they're just different cohorts of clients. Mm -hmm. And just last two questions before we finish up. Um, So what do you hope to see more in the future, especially with all access holidays? Like where would you like to see the company and even yourself in about like five or ten years? It's it's a tough question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Two minutes. Oh, wow. So long-winded, aren't I? Um, No. Okay. Um, Where would – well, we've – we would like to be one of the biggest providers of disability care in the whole of Australia, if not the biggest. Well, actually, no, we'd like to be the biggest. But we've aim probably, high. <laughs> <laughs> got to aim high. Um, uh, I would just, like, I really like this job. It's great. I get to do lots of varied different things. You know, tomorrow I'm going up to uh, Tarang to pick up some clients and I'm doing a AFL holiday over the weekend. I get to oh, cool. do radio programs. Um, I get to do the hands-on stuff. I get to do a lot of the admin stuff. So I'd like to be in a similar role um, mm. to that. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, the market is so big that I just want us to keep going forward. And I want yeah. us to be able to diversify more. I want us to advertise, um, you know, um, accessible hotels and things like that so that we don't just do groups, but we're also, a reg, you know, a, we're a niche travel agency for people with disabilities. Yeah. And so if our listeners at home want to find out more information about all access holidays and even get in touch with you to find out more about disability travel, how can they contact you? Okay, so um, our number is 1300 585 876. I hope I got that one right. <laughs> I did that from my... Um, or you can check out our website, which is www. We're also big on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. We do have a Facebook page. So if we're on Instagram... Oh, you have to forgive me. I don't do our social media. <laughs> uh, I think it's all access holidays. That would make sense. Um, <laughs> we're also on LinkedIn. I'm just just putting our name to uh, your. Oh, oh, oh no, well, are these on the ABC? Yeah. Chosen your preferred search provider. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you'll be able to find us on there. Um, you can also contact us through our website. We've got chat bots and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, we'll also make sure to put all the links in the description of the we podcast. We really like that. Yes. So yeah. Oh, they could call you guys, and you can not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although you'd want all the all well, all the contacts. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, you can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au, or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.